And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. I love the Raiders. Most of all, I love the win. You're now listening to State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Nguyen, and Deshaun Reed on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. You know the regular crew, Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Ted Wynn, Tashawn Reed. Vic and Ted will join us in a little bit, but right now we've got Jordan Rodriguez here, and we're going to talk about the fighting. Jordan, Tashawn, how many times have you guys gotten in a fight the past couple of days during the Rams and Raiders joint practices? You know what? I think that both teams could take a lesson for how Tashawn and I split up the last couple of days and how Tashawn, Vic, and I took our approach to these practices because we were a well-oiled and seamless machine and we were also very, very bright and chipper. We were giving out hugs, you know, but that was not the case <laughs> for the other for the other teams and uh, especially, you know, Tashawn and I for our, our latest piece, our double byline up over at The Athletic, Tashawn and I split fields. So he got a great look at what was going on over on that special teams field. And then Vic and I were on the defensive field because Vic has that great piece up about the Raiders DBs. And we all of a sudden we're debriefing and all of a sudden stuff just starts getting really crazy over on that special teams field. Yeah, I think we had a little foreshadowing at the uh, Wednesday practice um, during a special teams period as well. The guys you know, started pushing and shoving and a little bit of scuffling. And I think one of the Raiders players, you said, you know, I mean, think about who's on special teams. This guy's trying to make a team. So it makes sense they get a little bit testy. And so get over to Thursday, same thing happens, except for this time. <laughs> it didn't It didn't stop when the coaches told him to. So, uh, you know, of course, both sides clear the sidelines and, you know, come to the middle. And, you know, with, with football fights, it's always, you got to put a quotation around the fight. Everybody has some helmets and, and pads and nobody's really getting hit for real unless somebody rips somebody's helmet off. So I saw a helmet flying in one of those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> a couple punches thrown. I think there are a couple punches thrown. Someone got their jersey ripped. Sean McVay's stunt double got taken out, you know, caught astray. So <laughs> it was a rough scene at first, and they, they couldn't de-escalate it, but nobody got hurt. So, yeah, I think that was the, the main point there. I tell you, I was stunned looking at some of the pictures uh, on the wire of the photo that one of the guys in the middle of it is a guy that, Vic, you said the, the Raiders have asked to tone it down, and, and he has... But I uh, was stunned to see that Jonathan Abram was there in, in the middle of one of those scrums. Obviously, you can only keep him down so much. I mean, he's trying to do his best. But I think Darren Waller was the guy who has jersey ripped. I think that's the one guy on the team who everyone loves the most. I mean, that's kind of a weird statement to think. But that's the kind of guy, if he goes down, everyone's going to be fired up and jump in. I think Max threw a punch and Gakker threw a punch. So definitely, um, like Josh Jacobs said afterwards, that it's a good sign, he thinks, for a team that fights for each other, definitely has each other's back. And he thought the Rams were a little more laid back in their approach to the fight, which he also thought was a, a bad thing for them and, and a positive for for the Raiders. I mean, so Jordan, what, what was the Rams kind of view of the, the fighting? I mean, it, it forced the end of Thursday's practice a little bit early. The Rams, they're at their own facility. They were able to kind of continue on and just kind of finish up practice on their own. The Raiders took off. But what was their view of this? Was anybody upset that this kind of got in the way of some of their work? 
The first day, Matthew Stafford was very obviously peeved because there was, you know, just some extracurricular stuff between whistles and things like that, that that Sean McVay and John Gruden had a long conversation about uh, sort of at midfield after that practice um, in terms of just the extracurricular stuff because the way that the Rams run practices, it's very, maybe robotics, the wrong word, but it's very like, well, it's like an oiled machine and every gear fits into place and we install this much and we go off script this much and we do this, this, and this. So they kind of very clearly showed up. First of all, like, way earlier in the morning than they're used to practicing, which I think may have had a little bit to do with like maybe the grumpiness there. But <laughs> but also um, they showed up and they're kind of obviously, I think they were expecting some um, extracurriculars here and there, but that first day it was happening like, you know, every three plays something was going on either on offense or on defense. And so that was what, you know, from the guys that I talked to, that was what the frustration was, not necessarily that it was happening, but that they were – that was a day where they'd also scheduled some of their heavier install instead of going off script or doing the move the ball periods during the team periods, things like that. So it was really interesting. And Vic, I, I love that quote from from Josh Jacobs because where I was standing, it was kind of funny. It was like, you know, half the, you know, special team sideline clears and then like a couple other other guys from the, you know, the defense are like, hey, we should go over there and then kind of make their way over there. And then, you know, things stop and then someone yells and then it starts up again. This, this is the second day. And then I'm standing over by the quarterbacks, and they're just playing catch with each other. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sitting there like, "Oh, this is a tale. This is a tale of two fields going on right now here." Um, so yeah, I think that uh, Sean McVay was pretty frustrated. He's, I think, less frustrated in the fighting itself, and um, you know, caught a little moment of his post uh, post practice speech to his players, where he was like, "Hey, I love that you guys had each other's backs," but at the same time. Knowing Sean McVay, he really had a, a plan that he really wanted to get into place, and they did not get to the, the full thing. So I think he was frustrated by that more so than anything else. Yeah, the Rams are normally, what, a 3 or 4 o'clock practice, right? And and the Raiders normally practice at 7.30 in the morning. So I think this is a, may have been a combination of the Raiders were, like, extra wired because they got plenty of rest. This is, like, a late practice for them going at 10, and then you've got the groggy uh, Rams, so uh, who knows? <laughs> I was going to say, mentally, I think if you get on a bus wearing, like, pads and cleats, they get a different mentality. <laughs> you're ready to go. You know, you're, you're ready to go. You're ready to go. <laughs> you're thinking about 20, it's a 20-minute 20 bus ride. You're getting fired up. You're, like, you know, you're obviously in your gear, you're in your, in your shield, wearing your stuff, ready for, for war. But the Rams probably are like, eh, you know, whatever. We'll just get up and go out there. And, and these, so I think there's different mentality at the start of these practices where the Raiders are definitely more more intense, I think, when, uh, when, when the horn sounded. Yeah, I think I saw that, too. And, Vic, I was glad you wrote about that. The secondary and, and Tashawn wrote about this too in his notes as well and some of the stuff that was happening on the first day like you could tell I mean to me obviously I don't watch a lot of Raiders football because I'm so embedded covering this team but you could tell they came with energy and they were flying around that first day picked off Matthew Stafford three times um, the Rams were trying to do some more of that um, install work so Matthew right now is in a phase of trying to find how much he can stretch a throw, basically, like how far away from this catch window can I put this ball and, and still have it be a safe throw. And so some of that's happening, but also some of it was just great football being played by that the Raiders defense that first day, I thought. Extracurriculars aside, they played with a lot of joy, in my opinion. That's not something that I had heard and I'm not meaning any offense by this, but it's not something I'd necessarily heard about them last year or the year before. So this, you know, kind of this new system and and all that. And to me, I think that was another thing that maybe kind of caught the Rams off a little bit was like, oh, 
yeah, these guys like are out here like flying around and and really like getting to the ball and and moving as as one. And I thought that was pretty notable from that first day. Yeah, it wasn't much to be joyful about last year. So <laughs> 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 I was like, I I don't mean any offense by this to Raiders fans listening, but I just that was not a word that I heard that described. On the converse, it very much described the way the Rams played on defense last year. It was a little bit of an interesting role reversal there that first day. The defense was definitely. It seems like they have a, a different level of a confidence so far throughout this this preseason and training camp overall. I mean, I was standing on a defensive sideline all day, pretty much Wednesday, and I could tell they had a different level of energy when like, you know, you know how run plays are in, in training camp when you're when you're not tackling and, and you come up and thump a guy and all the coaches are like going crazy for stopping runs at the line of scrimmage when like nobody's tackling. I'm like, okay, if they're, they're excited about these, these these little run hit bumps, then I, I guess they're a little bit lit out here. And so they were flying around making plays. I didn't see, you know, defense the second day, but it sounds like, you know, Stafford started to have a little bit more success and, and avoided turnovers. Um, but it wasn't like the defense was just getting, you know, lit up every play. So it, it seemed like they were still competitive out there. And so it doesn't mean everything at, at this juncture of the season, but it's definitely a, a solid step forward for them. All right. But before we let Jordan go, we've got to talk about the big battle from Wednesday. Uh, Hunter Renfro and Jalen Ramsey, which uh, obviously was all over Twitter. Jalen uh, did not necessarily agree with the assessment that uh, that Hunter Renfro was getting the better of him. Um, you guys were all out there. Talk to us about the Jalen Ramsey Hunter Renfro battles. Yeah, it was a good battle. And I think that's a good word for it. Because I think that, you know, it was a lot of back and forth, uh, in my opinion, just having watched that defense and how it runs its coverages, how it contours plays and, and things like that. It was just a really, really good back and forth. And I think it was really good for Jalen Ramsey to be tested like that, especially playing in the slot as he has been doing through a lot of training camp. And he'll move around a lot, but they're not going to show any of that outside stuff with him um, until, you know, they get to the actual season. So he's been working a lot from the slot. Part of that is because the Rams, you know, obviously they're last year a scheme that limits explosive passing plays. So if you can do that with two outside corners, which jury's still out as to whether they can, but if you can do that with two outside corners and put Jalen Ramsey closer to where the, you know, you can limit the explosive passing plays um, with these other two outside corners and then put Jalen Ramsey close to the line of scrimmage where he will then be closer to the ball on every passing play, in theory, that's why they're doing it. So this was a really good test for him because you have a player like Hunter Renfro, a great route runner who can also um, you know, widen that very tiny workable space close to the line of scrimmage just by the way that he gets open. With Jalen, you know, saw a couple good back and forths. Uh, he made a good stop near the line of scrimmage. On Renfro, Renfro caught, I think it was a, a six yard, but he went up over the top, which was really impressive on a, a third down uh, for gain of six. And then there was one that I think drew a lot of the, the discussion and debate. Uh, it was an out and up, and it was a really well run, nicely run route by Hunter Renfro. In that situation, Jalen's only supposed to cover the flat, so the, the out part is what he's responsible for. And then David Long, the other corner uh, who's been having a long camp on the outside, I'll say politely, was supposed to bump over it and then play down so that he could then cover the up part of that route, but did not even come close to being in the right position. And then the next day was 
not at practice because of a groin situation. So that was what was really, I think, interesting to me is is not just the fact that the two were battling back and forth and had, I think, a really, uh, both of them had a really good day in terms of that battle. I think they made each other better, to be honest with you. But also just the, what to me as a reporter covering the Rams, what it sort of exposed in terms of some of the problems that they may have with an untested corner, sort of having to take on that responsibility on the outside and David Long. All right, Jordan. Hey, we really appreciate you joining us. Uh, I know you got to run here, but uh, everybody check out her work over at The Athletic uh, covering the Rams. Uh, she's got her podcast, 11 Personnel with Rich Hammond. And uh, hey, thanks a lot for joining us. And uh, we'll see how Saturday's game goes. Hopefully there are no more fighting uh, once they put on the, the real uniforms. Well, we know that it will not be between uh, myself, Vic, or Tashan because it's just been a, a total, just a total joy seeing these guys, and like they're two of the best to do it. So uh, it's really been my pleasure um, having you guys here in sunny Southern California, and um, just really love seeing you guys. So take care, y'all. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Vic Torinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right. Well, we've got Ted back with us now and just kind of continuing to talk about the, the Raiders Rams practices. Uh, Vic, Deshaun, I mean, it, it, it seemed like, I mean, yeah, I know the Ramsey Renfro conversation dominated Wednesday and then the fight dominated Thursday. But I think the overall takeaway, and Vic wrote this about this defense, is that they went in there and they played with confidence against a good Rams team. And, uh, you know, Tashawn, I know you wrote that in your letters. That was the, the, the number one thing was that they showed some confidence out there. And there's no huge takeaways you can take from this team until they start playing games in September. But those are some positive signs, at least, to, to take out of a, a joint practice session. Yeah, I think you can see the talent they've added. They've added, you know, Ngakwe. I think the pass rush is now formidable. And you see Merrick is a, a, a factor already. He's, he's getting better every day. He makes plays down the field. So there are two guys at key positions, you know, pass rusher and uh, center fielder, which you haven't, haven't really had in the past. So that's a big thing. I think the coaching has been clearly a plus. Gus Bradley has a new energy than, than Bunkoff did last year. So I think they've responded to that. A simpler defense. They can react a little more than, than think about things. I think Ron Miles, I wrote about today, Definitely has had a good influence on the secondary. Definitely has the old guys making progress, the new guys coming in, like Nate Hobbs and, and Merrick making the impact. So I think um, those are all real positive signs, things you look for in training camp and in these workouts for improvement. Uh, like you said, confidence and just that uh, the talent actually can carry over and be a factor uh, during the season. Yeah, I think on the offensive side of the ball, we expect for them to be confident given what they've done the last couple seasons. But for the offensive line in particular, uh, them looking confident and, and competent going up against, especially on Wednesday, 
uh, having a big big test with Aaron Donald. Obviously, they had a few breakdowns, but it wasn't like they were just getting steamrolled you know, the entire session. And then Thursday, they had a, a pretty clean day as well. And so for this young offensive line with you know basically two guys that have never started before, and Andre James and, and Alex Leatherwood and you know, working in, you know, some younger guys like John Simpson at the guard spot for them to hold up pretty well against, you know, what's been one of the better defensive lines in the league was, was probably a pretty positive sign for the coaching staff. This is not the first time Hunter Renfro has gone viral out of practice uh, you know, in terms of some of the routes that he's run. Obviously, this time it's not doing against his own secondary. Uh, what do you see at a Hunter Renfro as a, as a route runner, as just a slot receiver overall? I mean, what's the ceiling on a guy like Hunter Renfro? Yeah, I don't know if he has a um, a thousand yard per season type of ceiling, but, you know, I think that he's a guy that could challenge for 800, 900 yards in the slot. And if, if he's getting that kind of production in the slot, then uh, this offense could be very productive because obviously we know that John Gruden wants to run the ball and we know Darren Waller's the number one target. But, you know, if you have Renfro producing key first downs, and, you know, getting maybe 50, 60 yards a game, that that's just huge. And honestly, I didn't think that he would have the sort of big play ability that he's kind of shown in the last couple seasons. Not that he's that explosive, but he's made some, you know, he, he's had some really explosive plays on his resume in the, in the NFL. And that kind of surprised me, too. And if he just continues his to improve his route running and it seems like his chemistry with cars getting better, I don't see why he can't challenge for 800, 900 yards a season. You know where we made a big mistake this week? The guy we should have brought on the show, Maurice Jones-Drew. Oh, that's right. <laughs> 80 to 90 catch prediction from him as a rookie. And MJD, he still does uh, Rams games, right? On uh, I think it he's does. an analyst. Uh, so we really made a mistake here. We should have had MJD on the show along with Jordan to talk about uh, how many catches Hunter Renfro is going to have this year. He didn't quite meet that uh, 80 to 90 catches that... Uh, that MJD had for him as his uh, for his rookie year, but I mean, maybe this is the year he does that. I don't know. I can't imagine he gets eighty catches. I just think they have too many guys. I think you know, obviously, Rugs will get more than they got last year, and Brian Edwards is the the next uh, TO according to John Gruden. They got uh, John Brown, you know, very solid veteran guy with a big playability, and obviously, the number one guy is Darren Waller. So um, that's a lot. It's a lot of guys. So I think Hunter 50 definitely passes a game. Derek's just just. Right. I think Hunter's shown to be very reliable. I think he definitely he's shown, like you mentioned, the big play uh, making ability because I think he's obviously he's a great route runner. That's been well uh, documented. But I think he is faster than you think he is. I think definitely in that first ten yards, he uh, he's quick. You know, I think um, I'm sure part of it. He mentioned this like, like a couple of years ago. Like a lot of times when he goes against the guy the first time, the DB's like, oh, this guy's you know. Five nine, it's like little, an accountant. Five, yeah, exactly. Five nine, short little white guy. What's this guy going to do? And I was, oh crap, this guy actually has got some juice. So I think that's um, something he always carries with him. So um, I think it's a great weapon to have. I think that obviously he and Derek Carr have an amazing chemistry, but I still don't think he'll um, be more than a third or fourth target uh, this season. Yeah, I think if he had that many targets, it would mean that you know either Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards didn't take the expected step in their development, and they had some injuries elsewhere or something of that nature. So it's probably not a not a good sign if, if he's that high hope. All right, let's talk a little bit of our observations from the first preseason game. This is our first show since then. Uh, the Raiders, they won the Nate Peterman special. Uh, I think, you know, at some point in this preseason, I, we were hoping to be able to see a little Marcus Mariota just to kind of see what he he's like. But obviously he was uh, had a sore leg, didn't play in that game. So it was all Peterman, uh, except for the one snap that Case Cookus got. And uh was, uh, was a glorious snap. And uh, he, he, he got cut a couple days later, but... Not because of the snap and the handoff, but obviously one of the biggest takeaways was the performance of those undrafted running backs, uh, BJ Edmonds, Trey Regis. Those guys both looked really good. 
And if you start looking at the running back depth chart, we know Jalen Richard is injured. And I think there's a path for both those guys to make it on this team. Yeah, I think Regis is ahead of Emmons in terms of the pass blocking. That's definitely an issue with Emmons. I think the coaches have uh, pointed out a few times. I think both have some juice. Both have some wiggle. I think uh, Regis is probably a little more polished. But um, at these uh, workouts the last few days, I mean, Gruden definitely let, let both have it a couple times. He wasn't happy with their play. So he's definitely raising the bar for those guys as well. I'm not sure if they have a path to make it. Maybe one guy does, but I still think Jalen Rashad will be back. And I think he's, again, I just think he's too good a pass blocker to, uh, and they're paying him enough money anyway. So I think, um, I think his role. No, well, that would be the question is do you, do you want yeah, to pay him that money? It's not guaranteed yet. That's true, but I just don't know what. I mean, I think he's probably a better insurance policy than the other two guys are. But and that just depends on, like, you know, on John and the coaching staff's confidence in these two guys. That'd be a good, like you said, a good test again this week to see if they can keep it up as far as their the yards per carry plus the pass blocking stuff. So I agree. They're both, uh, you know, raised my eyebrows, I think, a little bit uh, the other day. I think that's a good thing. So I think that'd be one of the key things to watch the next two games. Hey, Regis was my sleeper, man. I'm looking in good, like I'm in he good was. shape so far. You're definitely ahead. I'll give you that. You're definitely ahead. One of them might end up on the Los Angeles Rams. They need running back depth. So, you know, if they impress in those practices, maybe they, um, you know, one of them gets cut, they end up as a Ram. That's a good point, too. The other guy who, you know, we had heard a lot about during training camp, but for those of us not there, hadn't got a chance to see him. Nate Hobbs did not take long at all to uh, introduce himself with that, uh, that, that blitz uh, out of the slot. Got the sack. For you guys that have been there, I mean, that, that was probably just a continuation of what you've seen out of this fifth-round pick, huh? You know, he's brought some some added size and physicality to that, that nickel position that they haven't had the past couple of years over Marcus Joyner, you know, being around, you know, 5'9 and, and a smaller-built guy. I mean, he's – they list him at 6'1". I think, you know, he's probably like six foot 190 or so. But, you know, for a slot corner, that's pretty big. And, you know, so far in practices, you know, that, that hasn't, you know, enabled him from – being able to keep up with those smaller, shiftier receivers that typically line up at that spot. And so um, he's kind of given them the perfect blend of somebody that who, who can, you know, he's not quite, they use the, the, the term linebacker, but, you know, he helps out with some run fits and can get a little bit physical and make some plays in the backfield when he needs to, but he can also drop back in pass coverage and make some plays there as well. And so, you know, obviously I think there was some kind of error there made on that play just because of him going unblocked straight to the quarterback. But, you know, that even that, you know, it's something that we just haven't seen from that position from them for the last couple of years. He's done a good job of, of thinking and, and of not sorry, of not thinking too much and just reacting and using his speed and and physicality and definitely um I think it's gonna be I think we'll start. I think you know they'll never lost and out the first two games. I think he'll definitely be the starting oh definitely, but I think it will be the starting a slot the first two games. I think he'll have a chance to really build on what he's done so far. And if he plays well those two games, there's, there's no guarantee he gives the job back. So I think they're definitely excited about him. They liked him a lot in college. They liked him. They saw some traits in him in college, which they thought would work in the slot. So, um, yeah, he's been one of the big uh, stories of camp so far. Yeah, it's funny because um, Gus Bradley doesn't blitz much. And when he does, people always get really surprised. <laughs> like they have no idea it's coming. I remember uh, Kyle Shanahan had a quote about it after – the Niners played the Chargers a few years ago. He said, yeah, we Bradley never blitzes, and he brought like a six-man blitz and a clutch time and, you know, ended up causing a fumble from the quarterback. But, you know, I wonder if he'd be willing to blitz more if this pass rush doesn't live up to expectations because he doesn't have, you know, Joey Bosa rushing off the edge for him here. So, you know, if the pass rush ends up floundering a little bit, I wonder if he's he would be more willing to bring some more blitzes than he has in the past. I don't want to like throw any cold water on Hobbs, but I do recall Lamarcus Joyner in his, I think it might have been yeah, his first preseason game with the Raiders. 
he had a blitz and sacked Kyler Murray for uh for a safety. So uh let let's we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna say that this is the only play that Nate Hobbs is gonna make as a Raider. Um because I remember like we watched that play like, wow, that's what they brought in Lamarcus Joyner to do. That's that's what Lamarcus Joyner is gonna bring to this defense. This guy looks pretty good. So you don't you don't want to pour cold water on it, but you want to get a garden hose and just like aim it right I at just, the guy. I just turn it <laughs> off. Like just put put the hose on. Holy like just you crap. know, just saying like you know, I, I mean you know, everyone says don't get too excited over preseason game. Right. No, that, that's, that that's is valid. that is one of the reasons why. I mean, Lamarcus Joyner, his first preseason game, like wow, look at that! This guy blitzing off the slot and getting the safety. Um, I had totally forgotten that, but uh, that's a good point, I guess. So yeah, so everybody chill out, chill out in the Nate Hobbs for a while. Sleep on him, sleep on him again. You know, one other guy just just kind of rewatching the game that impressed me, and Vic, he's the guy that you've talked about a lot during camp that they're high on it, and. He wasn't one of your risers and fallers, I don't think, because he's a guy that's going to make the team. But a guy that just stood out to me uh, on tape, it was Darius Phylon. I thought he was firing off. He was getting into the backfield. We know Gerald McCoy was like handing out sacks to everybody. All these guys are going to get five sacks, five sacks, ten sacks, whatever. But uh, just kind of watching his, his first performance there, I mean, he does look like a guy who can bring some interior rush for them. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's a five, six sack guy for them. He's been great. I probably should have put him in the Rise and Followers. I think I guess I took him for granted a little bit, but he's shuffly shown the twitch. He's got some good wiggle and definitely um plays with anger. I think he's a good a good addition for this team as far as showing him how to play with the right mentality. Even with these workouts the last few days, you could see he'd win some one on one matchups and kind of like this growl at the guy. He definitely he took it seriously. He definitely uh he's a big growler, I think. I see him growling a lot with um <laughs> but um yeah, I think he's been great. I think he definitely he's been out of the league for a little while, has something to prove. I think that Gus Bradley and John Gruden uh, took a chance on him. And um, I know the team may speak highly of him. I haven't had a chance to meet him yet, but um, I definitely think he'll be a factor. I think he'll definitely be a guy you'll see on, on third downs in, inside a lot. And uh, I think, again, the, the pass rush to me, they addressed it. And I, I think you know, who knows how it'll work out, but I think they've done what they could. And I think it should be should be fine. I mean, my concerns now Pass rush is not one of them really much anymore, so I think that's a, a pretty good sign. It's just the pass rush has been so bad for the Raiders for so long that I won't believe it until I see it. You know, I like the names they added, but I just I won't believe it until I see it, an actual fierce pass rush from the Raiders. Anybody else uh, that stood out to any of you guys uh, from these last few games? Uh, Tanner Muse got his uh, first opportunity to go play some uh, linebacker. You know, he's out there. Kind of doing his thing on special teams. He got in there and uh, what deflected a pass uh, in the backfield. One play on Saturday, um, a chance for him to us to finally see what he can do. Yeah, I thought he looked he looked uh, athletic. Looked like he uh, definitely um, is much better than was last year as far as being able to use his speed. I think uh, I think he's going to win that backup linebacker spot. I know uh, also got Javin White back there, and I think the uh, Divine Diablo will definitely make the team also. So I think there's probably one spot between Muse and, and White. And I think Muse is definitely, at this point, a lot better on special teams. That should put, that probably would give him the edge there and, and give him that job. So he's been good. I think the other guy that I thought looked good and got no mention was, uh, and again, it makes sense because they're, they're set at receiver, but uh, Keelan Doss made a lot of catches. You, you can see why way back when John Gruden was so enamored of him and uh, sort of the Jags and you know, the whole hard knocks. Well, and then he wasn't enamored with him, and then yeah, he was again. But, uh, you know, you can see why he was a hard knock star. He definitely um, he makes some catches, and he's definitely gotten a little bigger. He's definitely um, a little more uh, a little stronger than he was back then. So that's a guy who I think definitely should get a job somewhere else. I mean, I can't imagine uh, he's back in the practice squad. I think his time here has pretty much you know been served. I think he's shown enough where he'll get a chance somewhere else, I would think. So I think he looked good. 
How does Corey Littleton look? I hear a little buzz about him, but I think he should be better in a simpler system. Yeah, he made a nice play on, on Wednesday. Uh, Stafford, was this third interception, he kind of tried to force it over the middle. And both Littleton and Damon Arnett, they've both kind of broken on the ball. And I don't think they saw each other. So, like, they ran into each other. But, but Littleton still managed to, like, pick it off and, and start running back. I think that's the play. That, I think Max Crosby mistook him for, for Trayvon Moritz. So I think that's a good sign for him <laughs> making plays and the pass coverage. Because, I mean, that was, you know, a big part of what he did with the Rams. And we made him a really good player there. And we just didn't really see much of that. Last year, when he struggled pretty badly, both against the run and the pass. And so it's a little bit harder to judge how he's performing against the run game, like I said, just because of training camp, how it is with that. Like, I mean, none of it is live and kind of just running up and touching guys. So it's a little bit harder to judge there. But in terms of pass coverage, he looks to be a little bit better than he was last year. So I guess you have to put Littleton in SoCal for him to play well, right? <laughs> he's back it home. He's more confident to me. It seems like, I don't know if it's the defense or, like I said, he's less thinking, but he's more confident. I know Deshaun was over there more than I was on the defensive side the last few days, but it seems like he was chirping a little bit. He was kind of talking a lot and stuff and kind of really getting a little more animated, which I don't recall that being the case last year. So I think he, um, obviously he's a very gifted uh, athlete and has some good success with the Rams. So I think last year, in his mind, I'm sure it was an you know, aberration. It was to show that he actually is a, a you know really good defensive player. So I think... Um, Maybe the pressure's off this year. He can definitely make some more plays. But uh, I think just in terms of his uh, mannerisms, it just seems like he's definitely more uh, more amped up this year. Maybe that's uh, fair or not fair. That's my, my observation. Yeah, you figure practicing against some of his old teammates will probably get him uh, get him chirping a little bit. The other guy, uh, last guy I'll mention from the game that, you know, and Vic, again, this is a guy that you've been pumping up all offseason, but uh, now we finally got to see him in a game. I mean, Zay Jones looked like a guy that, if those young guys struggle, Zay Jones looked like a guy who can who can really do something for this offense. And uh, you know, if he keeps playing like he did in, in this preseason game, uh, they're going to have to find ways to get him on the field. Yeah, he makes plays. I mean, I, I mean, uh, I mentioned all those guys earlier when I was talking about Renfro, but I forgot about Zay Jones. But he'll be in the mix. I think they definitely have a lot of confidence that if they call play for him, that he's going to make the catch where in traffic or down the field. So. Like Deshaun said, if for some reason you know, Edwards and Ruggs don't do what they think they will as far as taking another step, I'll definitely will be an opening for Zay. I think they definitely, uh, both Derek and the coaching staff, have the most utmost confidence in him. And just that's why they gave him a raise. I mean, people like kind of scoffed. They gave him, I think, a million dollar raise from last season. But again, the guy, like John said, he's the hardest working guy on the team. He's in the best shape on the team. And he's a guy you want, you know, in there. And if, uh, if it comes down to a you know, current situation, it's a guy you can count on. So. They keep saying it, but don't sleep on Zay Jones. Seems like Derek Carr has really good chemistry with him, too. It seems like those two work together a lot. They did. The like, park. Last two summers, they've been out. I think the, he's the first guy that's ever out there, like, earliest in, every summer. And uh, they definitely have spent a lot of time together the last two years. Yeah, I mean, they both actually live in Vegas, so I think that probably helps. Got some Nathan Peterman chemistry, too, just in case things go completely off the rails this season. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to take some questions here. We've got this one from Dennis L. Is this the fastest Raiders defense in the Mark Davis era? I guess we're calling this the Mark Davis era. How do you assess the team speed on defense compared to the league? Have you never considered the Mark Davis era as, as an era? There's a lot that has taught me. The Mark <laughs> Davis era and the fastest defense. Um, definitely faster. Definitely. I think you see that um, in both uh, 
even a linebacker, you know, Littleton and Morrow are definitely that's their strength. They're both very guys who can run around uh, end to end. So I think um, and the, and Max is in incredible shape, and Gakwe definitely is in great shape. And we've talked about the DBs, so it is a fast unit, I think, and that's definitely plays up for Gus and what he wants to do is have guys just you know just read and react, not not think about too much, not have too much you know complex schemes, just get to the ball whenever you can. So. I do think it's the fastest in a while. I have to go back and look at all the rosters. But, um, yeah, I think they've done a good job. So um, the Mark Davis era, I would say this is the this is the fastest Raiders defense. All right. Uh, I'm going to combine these two questions uh, from Bradley N. and uh, Luis Felipe C. Uh, with the Morrow injury and looking thin with the linebacker core, could K.J. Wright be a Raider? If uh, Kwiatkowski and Morrow miss time, how does the Raiders linebacker core look? K.J. Wright, uh, who is in the NFL Top 100, he made the, uh, despite not being on the team, he was uh, voted by the players in, the, I think, in the 60, 70 range or whatever for the Top 100. Um, Raiders brought him in for a visit a few weeks ago. If Kwiatkowski, and we don't really know what's going on with him or Morrow after getting injured against the Rams, K.J. Wright, is, is that, that a potential option that they could revisit? I guess we'll see if... It, if, if the- Either of those injuries, we asked Gruden, and he didn't really give too many details on, on both of those. You know, those were things that would <laughs> – those things that actually stretch into the regular season, I think they would definitely need to bring in some sort of help at linebacker. I mean, at that point, it would be Tanner Muse and, and Javin White, I would guess, in the nickel package. And there just wouldn't be much depth there without those 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 two guys, uh, with Morrow and Kwiatkowski. So, and Littleton, of course. But just kind of at that outside middle spot, I think they would need to bring in somebody for some kind of veteran presence to help. Yeah, we'll see what, what Morrow's deal is. I mean, he limped off the field yesterday, so if it is serious, if he is out for a while, I'm sure uh, KJ Wright's number is uh, the money he wants is going up a little bit. I'm sure when they, when they call again or they talk again, he'll be probably want a little more money than they talked about the first time. So, but he knows Gus well, so uh, be a seamless fit. But um, I'm not sure they're, they're they're there yet. But definitely, I think they would definitely rather go that route than play one of those younger guys a lot uh, right away. So. As far as the other injury, incognito, I know Deshaun was on that side of the field, but uh, he's a pretty tough guy. I don't think in a sense that it's that serious a thing. We'll see. But, um, again, those are two starting players you lost yesterday in practice and for however, how long. So I think that, plus the fact that John lost a half hour of scripted plays, was why it was such a bad mood yesterday after practice because those are three things that you don't want to deal with if you're, if you're him. I couldn't see exactly how he got hurt on the play, but he came up limping pretty heavily after. Um, he walked off the field under his own power. It just took a very long time because he was he was limping so much. And uh, once he got to the sideline, he started working with the trainers. And uh, it seemed like they were working on around his right calf area or, or I guess we should say lower right leg. Something going on there that was giving him discomfort. And he sat down, he got back up. And when he got back up, he was still kind of limping on it. So, you know, especially since he had injuries last year and, you know, given his age, uh, it's definitely a concern. And But, you know, the, the coaching staff is pretty confident that, you know, if needed, John Simpson can be um, sort of their, their third starter at guard and, and step in and fill Incognito's place if he has to. So um, Incognito, you know, he probably wasn't going to play Saturday anyway. Uh, you know, John Simpson started last week and I, I would imagine he'd do the same this week. But depending on how serious that Incognito injury is, maybe they'll actually need Simpson to start some real games. I mean, the Raiders do have some protection there, at least at guard. They've got John Simpson. You know, I mean, they, they still think highly of him. And, and so, I mean, they, they've got some at least protection there. Uh, you know, he's a guy that they, I think, expect to be a part of their future. So the hope would be that he can fill in any gaps if uh, if Incognito misses time. And I mean, you kind of know when you have a, a 38-year-old guard that, that that just missed, you know, the last 15 games or whatever of the season, the season before, that you're probably going to have to rely on your depth. 
Yeah, plus we got enough. We got what, about four weeks left to the first game, so there's time for both those guys to heal up. I think we got enough time where I think they can get back on the field at some point, and hopefully you don't miss too much. Two more questions here before we get out of here from Tim O. I haven't heard much about Gerald McCoy yet. Has he been practicing yet? Seems like they're kind of slowly ramping him up, right? Yeah, he was working on the sides the last couple of days. The trainer kind of was working on certain drills. I think he's not quite ready yet to jump into a, a scrimmage against another team. But um, he's done a great job of, like, you see him before and after practice working with guys and hand movements and kind of suggestions, I guess, to max their day, pull them aside. So he definitely has taken on a leadership role right away. I think they still feel he has some juice left. His workout when they signed him went well. So they're just trying to bring him back along slow. Again, we've got a month till the first game. It's, uh, there's no reason to throw Joe McCoy until a game, you know, preseason game against the Rams to see what he can do. I think that there's enough time for that. So, again, it's a slow, a gradual process, they hope, where he can be a part of that rotation and be effective. All right, final question here from Justin B. Did Andre James ever face off against Aaron Donald, and how have Ruggs and Edwards performed against the Rams? I know Aaron Donald didn't practice on Thursday. Vic, did you see Donald versus James Wednesday? I saw a little bit of it. Uh, I thought James was okay. I think, uh, you know, I think there's obviously it's a tough matchup. I think um, Derek mentioned how they had Leatherwood against him a couple times against Donald. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a great test, but um, I don't know. I'm sure Aaron Donald's probably not um, fired up for these matchups so much as you would think. I think he's just trying to get through his things without getting hurt and kind of looking more at, you know, technique and stuff like that. But uh, I, thought, I thought Andre was fine. I thought he was fine in the first game. I think. Um, I think he's definitely seasoned for this moment. I think um, he's not going to be Rodney Hudson. I think people think he is or are going to be disappointed. But all you want for him is to be you know, a, a notch above solid, a guy you can rely on. I think that so far he's shown that, that to be the case. So I'm not really too concerned about Andre James as far as uh, this O-line goes. Yeah, and then for the younger receivers, uh, I, know, I know it sounds like they had a pretty good day Wednesday, but Thursday, um, I would say that the Rams' defense probably got the better of the Raiders' offense. The, the Raiders got off to a pretty strong start during seven-on-seven drills. Uh, Darren Waller had a, had a nice touchdown catch over a safety, and Kane Drake had a, a wheel route catch for a touchdown. I guess John Gruden didn't think we would know that they might throw the ball to him by, by his answer to press conference. Yeah, so I think they had completions on six out of seven snaps with the first team and then seven on seven and they're clicking pretty well and then switched over to team drills and, and they really limited to things to the flats, you know, quick out routes, kind of shorter underneath check down routes just because they couldn't get much going down the field. Um, I didn't really notice Henry Ruggs make any sand out plays. I think I remember Brian Edwards having a solid like intermediate catch over the middle at one point for some solid yardage, first down yardage, but the second day, they didn't have uh, too much success against the Rams. I know Wednesday, Ruggs had a couple of drops in tight windows, and uh, then he came back at the end of practice, made a nice, uh, a nice deep catch. Uh, Derek mentioned that it was important for him to kind of bounce back and show that he was resilient and kind of tough. So I think, um, I think, and Derek mentioned also also mentioned that Henry's still very raw. I think that's the thing. Like there's going to be growth this year. He's definitely gotten bigger and he's better in, in terms of running his routes a little stronger. But uh, there's still room for growth there. So uh, there'll still be growing pains. So people think Rugs will come in and be a dominant player this year. Going to be a little surprised. So I think you'll definitely see the Raiders still use that depth to have a receiver a lot and help Rugs kind of keep building on on his game as the year progresses. All right. Well, I think that'll wrap up this episode of State of the Nation. We will see how the Raiders do against the Rams in their second preseason game. And then uh, they're coming back to the Bay Area next week. They're going to take on the 49ers in the final preseason game. We'll see how the Raiders treat these last two preseason games. I know the Niners have said they expect to play their starters for uh, the first half of that preseason game with the Raiders. So 
We'll see if the Raiders follow suit at all or to some degree, but that should be a good test for the uh, for the Raiders' defense, whoever does play, that they're going to get to see, uh, for the Raiders' defense and their offense, they're going to get to see uh, the 49ers starters for potentially uh, the first half of that game in a couple of weeks. So uh, that should be an interesting game, and uh, we'll see how Gruden follows suit and, and treats these next two. We'll be watching on Saturday night when the Raiders take on the Rams. The Marcus Mariota Show. The Mark Davis era continues. Battle of the new stadiums. All right, y'all. All right, guys. Take care. Adios. Later. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.